Hello, this is Terry Eatham calling from Calgary. I'm the author of The End of Fossil Fuels and Sanity. Also a writer for the BOE Report, is that correct? That's right, yes. I'm a writer for the BOE Report and Public Energy Number 1. Oh, is that Energy your blog? Websites. So you've yeah. got, you got a blog, Public Enemy Number 1. You've got a um, traditional media distribution outlet with uh, the BOE Report. And then you're an author with yeah. the End of Fossil Fuels and Sanity. Look at you, man. That's like uh, climbing the bucket <laughs> list of life. On top of that, too. What's I mean? What's next? A TV show, radio show, podcast? Hey, we should we should get a podcast set up for you. We should, we should. I mean, you're ugly you, for TV, but I'm, I have a face built for podcasts. I, I'm the same way. I got a face built for newspaper. You know what I mean? It's <laughs> right on. Well, I tell you, thanks for joining the program here today. I just got off the the line with Dr. Lauren C. Scott. He's a professor of economics and he does uh, energy forecasting and economic forecasting for the last 40 years for the state of Louisiana. And he does a lot for the nation as well. Um, he's been a consultant with many energy companies over a number of years. And we were talking about natural gas. And in America, we have things called subsidies. And you're probably familiar with those. I know you're from Canada, but either way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, we live on them. You know, in, in anybody who, uh, we live on them. Anybody, we're spoon-fed subsidies up here. Um, <laughs> we're Canada. <laughs> you know, and, and anybody in the oil and gas industry cringes when they hear the word subsidies. And so... You know, we talked about it a little bit, and he's he's against them, this and that. But what, one of the things we talked about was how there's this gaslighting that's been done through renew renewables. And gaslighting wasn't his term. That was the term I just used right now because they don't ever talk about the amount of forests that get ripped out of the earth because of solar panels and because of wind turbines and the bird kill counts oh. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Are, are you familiar with this side of it? Oh, absolutely. I work for a junior oil and gas company. We were looking at, we came up with a great idea because natural gas is worthless up here in Western Canada because we can't get it out of the, of the region because we can't build pipelines. Thanks everybody. Um, anyway, so it's, it's worth zero here. Some days you have the same problem in the Permian sometimes. Anyways, we're looking at, um, converting natural gas to power just with some portable generators. And, um, we discovered we could come up with a zero, uh, emissions proposal here, burn natural gas in a, in a generator, pump the exhaust down into the ground again and, and use it as a, um, enhanced oil recovery and we're still investigating it's a lot of work to do that we discovered that the the environmental footprint of doing that would be would be miles better than a solar installation to do the same uh generate the same power with solar panels would take 60 acres of solar panels versus a uh, 100 yard by 100 yard lease site so the environmental uh, benefits of doing with natural gas and then you're getting and it's zero emissions if the co2 goes back into the ground is miles better than solar um, but we, we could get a grant to do solar or a subsidy, but, but nobody wants to hear about the natural gas power side of it. So yeah, there, there's, the story has just been so distorted to one side that, that common sense has left the building. Well, and where I'm coming from is, listen, I'm not a big uh, subsidy person either. I, I, like, I like the market to, to sort things out. And one of the things I've talked yeah. about with the environmentalists is that why did you guys give up on straws and plastic bags and now you just want to ban the industry? So to me, yeah. I, I was okay with bags bags and straws because the market will work itself out. And the, the, mm -hmm. the, the, you know what I mean? The, the, the refineries, yep. they're, they're going to figure out a new use for that plastic. And it'll probably end up with well, some super cool new hard plastic that you can put in your backyard as a swimming pool for under two grand. And our quality of life just got better. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Well, and I had an idea that, and I put this in my book, but if you, and I'm sure it's the same down there, but here we have a, a deposit that you pay on soda cans or bottles or whatever. You, you don't see one laying around the street because people go around and they gather them all up. Well, if you had the same thing for plastic bags, you, you they would get returned and reused and recycled. Um, so why not just do something like that? Like it's, you won't, you won't see them laying around anywhere. They won't go to landfills if people, if there's an incentive to get people to do something about it. That's a good yeah, idea. I mean, like yeah. it's, it, it off the supply of things is, is just ludicrous. You, you just you have to incentivize people to, to do something, to act properly. And, and so that's where I'm going with this. Oh, go ahead. 
Oh, that, and that's where I'm going with this is that, you know, the only reason we've got wind and solar is because of the subsidies. I mean, what you just said uh-huh. is exactly right. You can show all the science in the world that says this energy source is going to give us a better emission and it's going to be more economical and it's going to be more uh, affordable for the average person, too. And they'll turn around yeah, and say, and it's more environmentally sound. And it's more environmentally sound. And they'll turn around and say, but it's not wind or solar. Thank you very much. And. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the story. And that's the end of the story. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to have the conversation, and I understand there's zero appetite, but this natural gas thing is a problem. And we are, we, we, not only is it a problem for the energy companies, but I feel bad for all those mineral owners that are not getting paid on that flared natural gas. And the energy companies don't want me having that conversation, trust me. And- No, no. No, they don't. But at the same time, if we could figure out a way to shift those subsidies on solar and wind, which have very much underperformed what they said they were going to do. 20 years ago, there was a plan, and and, and they've fallen well short to the point to where we have to have a new, new, new plan now about renewables. I mean, how many news can we put on the renewables before... We've now gone a full 360, and we're doing old again because the farmers yeah. that figured out how to use the wind the, the wind turbines to get water out of, out of the ground are ahead of us. They're still ahead of us when it comes yeah. to emissions. And honestly, in terms of investment and output, farmers that used a wind a wind tower uh, a windmill to get water out of the ground is still above where we're at today. True story. It's so better, yeah. Um, in the world of natural gas, we've got so much being flared, and there's, there is a market out there for plastics. And if we could just figure out a way to get some of these crazy capitalists that are spending all their time on well sites away from their families trying to figure out how to you know, crack the code and become the next millionaire, and, they're, and, and the, energy, uh-huh. the energy companies are taxed to death, and then they've given the church... Uh, enough bake sale money and the little league kids uh, enough um, uh, uniform money. They don't have enough for research and development. They just don't. And how much, no. you, do you know what I mean? It's like, it, I feel stupid oh, saying, yeah, yeah. should we subsidize oil and gas? But at the same time, I'm looking at it like, you know, we could actually solve this flaring problem in five years if we just redirected these subsidies. Go ahead. But yeah, re- yeah, redirect the subsidies, and also just think outside the uh, um, box a little bit. The, the world would kill for free energy. That, like our society and our civilization, this unbelievably good lifestyle we have here is because of cheap energy. And if, if you go anywhere in the world except for North America, and they would say, you, you are flaring, you're wasting natural gas, and their mind would be blown in China, in Russia, anywhere. Um, because it's a valuable commodity, and we just and we have to think about it like that. There's an example I use here. So I grew up on a on a farm in the prairies here, and every little town used to have an alfalfa processing plant where the farmers could take their alfalfa there, and it would be you take it green, it looked like a salad, and they would run it through a big dryer, make feed pellets out of it, and we would put them on rail cars and ship them to Japan, and the farmers would make uh, great money doing that. Uh, we get paid three times as much as we would by making hay out of that alfalfa and um the then the whole industry died off when the price of natural gas spiked every one of those little plants closed and the the whole industry worked because we had cheap natural gas and now we have cheap natural gas again we're wasting it and it's like we need somebody where's the economic development authorities that are looking around the world and saying what can we bring back that requires a lot of energy what about a uh, aluminum smelting or recycling place. It takes a lot of heat to melt aluminum or something else, anything that requires a lot of heat to, to reprocess it. Why don't we have those set up? Why aren't there portable recyclers uh, scooting around to wherever there's free natural gas or greenhouses or another thing? Why aren't we growing vegetables with the free heat and the CO2 that's generated? So I think there's, um, there's all sorts of, we have to look at it as though this is a free energy source and it's a it's a non-renewable it's going to go it's going to be gone so what, what can we how do we convert how do you take free energy and you make economic value out of it there's a lot of different ways to do it but people just there has to be an incentive what you say and i'm not even sure it's a subsidy but you could say well if people would call it a subsidy but if you tell someone you bring a metal 
recycling facility here, setup shop, it could be a portable one, doesn't matter. You don't pay any taxes on it for five years. Like you, you have guys coming from all over the country to do that, right? So I, I, they're just they're plastic recycling. There's, uh, there's so many things you can do with free energy if you just look at it right. That's an interesting perspective. I haven't looked at it like that where you have the sun, you have wind, and those are considered free energy. And, exactly. And so, yeah. you, yeah, you're right. I mean, harness, right? yeah, I mean, you're going to have, I mean, I, I get it that it's it's not technically free because, you know, you're using it to get, you know, crude oil to get out. But, but at the same time, it is because, you know, I was just reading an article that was just taking the Bakken to task on, oh, the regulators about how they've just fallen short on their 15% flared cap limit and the lowered by 10% and they're, I mean, they're just not even close. And now the Sierra Club's all upset and I'm just looking at this going, oh, and even even um, the Republicans are even saying they failed. You know, I mean, I'm looking at Vicki Steiner here. Um, we need to find an excess flared solution immediately, you know, and Vicki Steiner used to be in charge of the, uh, Western Dakota energy association. So she's a big oh. supporter of oil and gas. Cause she grew up in the yeah. bu- bust and boom towns. Yeah, yeah. So she understands it yeah. from an economic standpoint and also, you know, what, what they, how they are actually stewards to the land. But this is interesting about the yeah. free energy perspe- uh, uh, slice of it, because, it's we're having the same conversation. We're just taking different routes to get there. And at the, right. at, at the end of the day, oh, I was going to say at the, at the end of the day, that's what we're looking for is we're looking for that little infusion of dollars to that crazy guy up in Canada using natural gas to mine bitcoins, and the guy in um, that's right. the guy in Texas that's figured out a way to turn the natural gas into water so he can have a greenhouse down there in the Permian. And I mean, these, yeah, the, the, this is some real outside the box thinking here and I love yeah. it. And, and it does, yeah. it needs an infusion of capital, but at the same time, I don't think the energy companies are any, any position right now to take risks after the last downturn and with their, uh, shareholders. That, and that's where we're at. Yeah. Like as a smaller company, we're, we're, we're we can't go out on a big, uh, R and D spending binge. Uh, we, we just, there's just no money laying around for that sort of thing. And I think most, most companies are like that now where everybody's belts are pretty tight and it's the there's this growth cycle and this this happens in many industries where where a growth of one part of it gets ahead of the curve you see it in real estate all the time they overbuild then there's a and then it adjusts downwards to let's the, there's a new uh, happy medium for prices and then it starts building up again and i'm looking at a bunch of office towers right now that are a third empty in downtown Calgary, and it's overbuilt. They'll fill up again, maybe someday. But, but then the oil fields get ahead of themselves too, like the the Bakken or Permian, which are doing a lot of flaring now. Just that the the rate of growth accelerated past the ability to deal with this solution gas. And but it's very it's it's not it's easy to to sit there and poke holes at, but it's very hard to plan for these things in advance. So. You're right. We have to do something about it. But what what can we do in a constructive manner rather than just shutting the whole thing down? Well, and that's that's where I'm just at, stepping up. I mean, you know, we've been a non-political program for the last, especially the last three years. Yeah. We've we've gone like overcorrected to where it's gotten a little boring for me. Excuse me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, let's just say you know, sometimes you know, you, you get you get a geologist on and. It's not the most interesting conversation for everybody in the world, you know? I mean, I'm just saying, but it, it is to me. you got to call it Well, you're exactly right. I mean, it, and you know what? The oil industry is perfectly okay with that. And they, and, and they have conferences for these guys, and they have a blast. I mean, because it's what they like that's to do. Right, right. So before I get... But before I dr- drill myself two miles deep here and can't get out... Um, the, the the world of crazy has really happened. You know, I mean, you've got two presidential candidates yeah. that have said, let's ban oil and gas if I'm elected. Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren have said that. Um, not phase it out. Like Bernie Sanders said, done, no more going forward. And um, Colorado, Proposition 112, as, as 60 to 70% of the leases are in question, uh, Colorado, I'm sorry, uh, Oregon, the Senate just voted to do what Colorado's doing uh, last week. Wow. Oh, yeah, yeah, it passed the Senate. 
And then Wyoming, the, fe- the federal judge bans some drilling and, and for the first time on some federal land. So my point is, is that this, this cult of environmentalism has really gotten to the point to where it's affected courts, it's getting state law, and now it's a presidential thing. Um, you guys in Canada have, you know, the queen has been the landowner for a long time, and you've mentioned... <laughs> You know, you can't have pipelines unless, you know, the, the, the planets are aligned and Bigfoot helps you big them, oh, d- yeah. build them. So, oh, we need, we uh, need every last person in the country to agree, and then we can build something. So that, that's, one, very often. That, that's one direction America is going. The other direction, yeah. what, what Lauren Scott and I talked about, what, excuse me, Dr. Lauren Scott, I like to call him doctor because he earned it, um, uh-huh. is that we're very much going down the path of, Europe, which is very much renewables, and they pay like seventeen bucks for some natural gas, and we pay like a buck fifty, and China pays yeah, like yeah. six, seven bucks. So, I mean, is America does America understand that that there's a very big price when it comes to renewables? I don't know what your cost is in Canada. I know the political side of things, but talk to me a little bit about the economic and then the political side of shifting to a, a renewable culture. Well, I don't know if I can uh, come up with a number in Canada. I just I know that it drives the cost of everything up because you're you're simply just duplicating an energy infrastructure. Like wind and solar help you when the sun is shining and the wind is blowing, obviously, but the rest of the time they don't. So you still need the same infrastructure and uh, to provide the power when those things aren't happening. And in winter, as you, as you no doubt know, there's the sun doesn't do a lot. To, it's not a lot of help as far as heating your house. So you need natural gas. And, and the the closest uh, numbers I can come to is something. I just read an article about Germany. Germany's been at this for decades now. Their their power prices have skyrocketed in the past 15 years. Their emissions are still flat. They're still dominant, overwhelmingly reliant on fossil fuels, even though the whole place is covered in solar panels. They're spending something like $40 billion a year on renewable energy. They're not getting, they're not advancing their targets. They're not going to meet the, the Paris climate goals, just like everybody else. Um, and they've just been running flat out uh, uh, trying to convert to a renewable economy. And the, the article I read was, was a good one. It was actually very supportive of them. But they, these reporters were pestering the German ministers and who got a little bit exasperated. And they said, look, what more do you want us to do? We've been going flat out on this. We're spending every nickel we can. We're, we're, we, one of their big mistakes was they shut down nuclear because they got scared by the anti-nuclear lobby. And now they're reliant on coal plants to replace that. So, so there's a country that's been in a very, very, very wealthy country. And we shouldn't forget that either, that it takes a lot. You have to be a very wealthy country to have the option to even consider renewables. It, these poor countries, they don't have the option to... India and China aren't worried primarily about going renewable. China is worried because of, they want electric cars because of all the smog in their cities, but they're, they're, they have uh, national security to worry about, first and foremost. They don't want people starving to death, and their standard of living, they want it increased. So so the the cost of these economies, is it's if you if you refuse to do it in a, in a staged, rational manner, if you want to do it wisely and okay so you take you knock down the easy things first let's get off of coal towards natural gas or and then that's a big leap forward that you you can cut your emissions by a third just by doing that so why not why don't we start there why isn't why aren't all the environmentalists pouring all of their energy into that get on to natural gas Uh, and then then deal with wind and solar in another 10 or 20 years when we can start handling it but right now we just can't because you need duplicate systems yeah, and, and it gets back to what happened to straws and plastic bags. I mean, when when there's a little bit of work involved, a little bootstrap, and they just go right to the extreme. Um, what gets me too about about Germany? I read I read similar articles in the last two weeks on, or I think it was might even past week on this the Germany uh, updates because they did they they came out and got audited, so to speak. And I, I, I would agree the article was, was more positive than negative. However, the negatives were very quickly brushed over. And the negatives were, were pretty substantial. And um, yeah, but, th- go ahead. Well, no, you're right. Like the doubling of power costs, you hear that in other jurisdictions too. 
that happened in Ontario here. We had a green, they had a green government in that province uh, for the past 10 years. They got kicked out last year and they, they went all green. Then, and people's power bills were going from $100 a month to $700 a month, and crazy numbers. And that's a like that hits everyone, right? The poorest people, everyone gets hit by these power bills. So, it, and it's just moving too fast. You're, you're, they're trying to, to push something that you're, you're trying to convert a system that can't be converted that easily just by sheer screaming, I think. The, Scream power is what they're working on. The other thing I think that got left out of this, the, the article that I read at least, uh, had to do with Germany's size of a country. I mean, I'm not talking population-wise, just the sheer geography size. It's, you know, compared to the United States, what is it, maybe the size of North Dakota? Maybe the size of North and South yeah, Dakota? Big. That's no. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's not big at all. So yeah. when, when when you're talking about changing, you know, uh, transportation systems over and pipeline oh, systems yeah. over, it, yeah. the, the cost is night and day. And yeah. and so is the geography behind it. So I, I was really disappointed that that was left out a lot of the stories, too, uh, in terms of mm-hmm. some, some of those real hard infrastructure and cost parts of it, as opposed to, mm-hmm. hey, here's some, you know, ideology that we spouted out the last 20 years and look at that they're they're still positive towards that and i get that part but um i was i I left the article in germany like you like there was still a lot more to be desired than what they were certainly trying to share with us um in canada up there what do you guys have in terms of when it comes to subsidies and energy and, and do you guys have a lot of solar up there? I can imagine the wind would oh, probably yeah. be there, but solar, do you guys have much solar? Uh, solar is really booming uh, for the same, because it's the subsidies. Like it's, it's um, like on, promoted. like on residential homes and businesses or actually like solar farms. Well, there's solar farms that are popping up and there are some on homes, people, which is, kind of absurd when you think about it at our latitude to have that but i mean it works for part of the year and it uh, it's more of a feel-good exercise than anything i know people that are putting it on their house for twenty twenty five thousand dollars in a 25 year payback period or something that it's uh uh they feel better about it so go ahead but um and it's you shouldn't discourage it but if you if you were to take that money and put better insulated windows on your house i think you'd be better off it's just one of these misguided things that you could spend twenty five thousand dollars on a lot of things that if you really want to oh, no. the environment you can I, do it. So, I'm uh, I'm I'm starting to look yeah, at but, it should be discouraged. I mean when I'm when I'm looking at the amount of um energy it takes to produce these solar panels and some of the lithium mm-hmm. it takes in order to get the batteries and just all these yeah, different yeah. sides of things, I'm I'm thinking it has a and I don't know this, I'm still investigating uh but you know, wind and solar don't really seem to have very much of a positive. You know, in hockey and in basketball and sports, you got a plus minus. When your guy's on the court, uh-huh. you know, Ky- um, Kawhi Leonard at the end of the game, when he was out there, 12 points ahead of the rest of everybody. You know, the plus minus thing. Uh-huh. I just don't see wind yeah, and yeah. solar having a more of a plus than a minus. Or, no, and, and yeah. on the, the minus side, People, like you say, they, they don't want to talk about that or they don't want to look at it or their second or third order consequences. Like one of the biggest, uh, so you look at California as such a good example, or so far advanced for wind and solar, but that's creating such uh, problems with the existing grid. And that's one of the reasons, which nobody likes to talk about, one of the reasons for those horrible fires in California was because there's been not enough maintenance done in the existing grid, PG&E, which went bankrupt, has been underspending on that, but they've been overspending on the renewal component because that's the driving force. Everybody wants that to work, but they haven't been cutting the trees under the power lines because that costs money, and also environmentalists are against that too. So now you have sagging power lines, which need replacing, hitting against trees <clears throat> and starting forest fires, and that and that gets blamed on climate change, which gets blamed on fossil fuels, when the cause is... In essence, too much reliance on solar and wind. Um, And you've heard how often power prices go negative in California, right? Mm -hmm. It's fairly frequent. Middle of the day, the sun's shining, and they got a surplus of power. So the existing power suppliers get negative prices. The solar guys don't. They make off like bandits. But they're uh, but 
somebody else has to pay that foot that bill. So that has to come out of somebody's hide somewhere. So it's a maintenance and whatever else. So so the the the, the minuses. There's a lot of hidden minuses that people just don't look at. Never mind, like you say, the, the, the which are excellent points too. The cost of manufacturing these things, all the rare earth materials and minerals that go into those batteries. Where does cobalt come from? It's mined by children in the Democratic Republic of Congo and slave conditions, but nobody wants to talk about that either. So uh, there's a lot of negatives that that people just don't like to talk about. Well, and I even look at the new political war we're in with China now over these rare earth minerals. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's been in the news the last two weeks where that's like the Trump card they got, they have is they've got access and control over all these rare earth minerals. And the average person doesn't understand why that matters. And then if they look at their hand and realize their cell phone is in their hand, they realize really quickly why China doesn't, you know, why China's in the driver's seat for that. Because, I mean... and is that, do you really want to have them control for that sort of thing? I don't think that's wise either. Never mind the um, environmental nightmare that's created when they process them over there because their standards aren't what our standards are in the U.S. or Canada. Like here, here we see things and it's wide open. Mm-hmm. People can document it. They can take pictures of whatever they want. Not the case over there. They hide whatever they want. So um, we're just, we pay, the, we pay a big price for having an open society here too. We, we allow those the enemies to, of, of industry to just come in and, and see whatever they want and do whatever they want. So, so what you, you mentioned uh, subsidies in Canada. There's one thing that's uh, I don't know if it's off topic, but it's, it really annoys the hell out of me. If I sorry, if I can swear on your show, uh, of course the, you can. A lot of people accuse the <laughs> the fossil fuel industry of being overly subsidized, and I, I just read some articles on that recently about how many sub how many dollars in subsidies the industry receives and there's these international groups the international monetary fund or something put out a paper which gets referenced a lot maybe your economics professor would have been familiar with it or ones like it but they calculate all of the subsidies that the petroleum industry receives and i I dug into it a little bit and it's it's just a bunch of gibberish it's just economic theory about that they pile on a big number on their of of a subsidy they they say that the uh, social cost of carbon which is, I don't know what that is. It's some theoretical construct by um, by academics. But they talk about the, the price that should be added to fossil fuels to compensate the world for pollution is $35 a ton or something. And and then they, they add that to every barrel of oil produced, and they call that a subsidy. And, but it's not a subsidy because no money went out anywhere. That doesn't help. It, it doesn't help oil production not to charge that. Uh, it, it's a possible tax that they could put on if they want, but it's not a subsidy. So there's this definition of subsidies, which is hugely twisted. I would have been interesting to hear what your what the doctor said about that. I, no, uh, I'm I'm really actually glad you brought that up because that was something I wanted to talk to Dr. Lawrence Scott about because he's an economics professor, but it it didn't come yeah. up in and I didn't interrupt him in the in, like I did you were there in in the proper time because. This is something I noticed in in the Bakken was the narrative behind the industry trying to cut their extraction tax down was like a subsidy. And I'm thinking, well, no, 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 no. They're already paying 11.5% tax here. They're just trying to get their tax reduced. And you guys are trying to act like they're getting a subsidy here. No, no, no. And and that's exactly what you just said. Yeah, so I'm not the only one seeing that out there. Okay. Yeah, there's, um, and that's a bit of a socialist mentality. You don't want to bring thunder pouring down on you, but um, by getting into politics. But um, there's a viewpoint out there that if you if you're a company and and the the government has a right to tax every dollar you have, and if they choose not to tax twenty dollars, then that's a subsidy to you, and and that just runs counter to common sense but that's how it's viewed that's how a lot of these subsidies are calculated if a government chooses not to tax you for something then they call that a subsidy uh, which is just I, I mean that any any businessman that just blows your mind but some people to some people that that's sound theory which is why we hope to never ever ever get to run a country but uh you never know in these days that's i've never heard it phrased like that but i could definitely see where someone would think like that 
Well, yeah. it is like you like you say. If you if if they if you you want a tax rate reduced from eleven percent to ten percent, and somebody calls that a subsidy, well, no, they're just taking less of your money. Like, how do you? Uh, it, you have to be a real. You have to really twist the meaning of words to come to call out a subsidy by not taking something. If I if I go steal your car and then I decide to give it back to you, did I subsidize you? Like it's, I, I don't know how that math works. Yeah, I, I I don't understand that as well. But I I have noticed the twisting of those words and the twisting of that. Yeah. And and I'm glad if, to if see. You get I, the chance, just challenge those people and say what what exactly is a subsidy? What 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 was the cash payment that was written where was the check that was written to this company what what was it for and how much was it not not how much of their money did you not take anyways i'm on my soapbox sorry no that's okay man we you know it's a fresh new approach here with the crude life we're accepting more of the soapbox mentality well like i've said we we've now believed that when it comes to the environment and energy it's no longer political i mean we've got states banning drilling on a certain amount of of land you've got two presidential candidates that are trying to ban this the narrative has gotten so extreme that we do feel like there is a need for a little bit of an overcorrection just to say you know what let's look at this other side and see if it's going to come back to reality well i mean honest to god when, when when i speak at the energy expo in gillette wyoming on the 25th of july of june I'm going to have a picture of uh, Supreme. What's his name? Vermin Supreme. He's the fringe candidate that runs for president. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the guy who wears a boot on his head. I thought it was a Merlin hat because he, he has his beard. And when, when they do the fringe candidates uh, debate on CNN and Fox, you know, cause they got to, or whatever, C-SPAN, whoever gives them the, their legal time. Their yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it because it's, it's some of the – it's <laughs> – it's it's better than reality. It is reality TV. It's it's the most reality of TV you can get. <laughs> That's right. It is. And, and God bless them. They went out and got the signatures needed. And I mean, oh, just that's that's inspiration right there. So I, I'm watching this these guys, and and you know they're crazy. They're absolutely crazy. And so yeah. I made a joke that you know the the Merlin candidate would probably want dragon legislation okay and you know and and legislate dragons because because the game of thrones is popular and he's a fringe candidate and you know he'd say something so ridiculous that the media would never run it and that's why they're relegated to 2 a.m on c-span right okay so bernie sanders and elizabeth warren are coming out and saying let's ban drilling and they're serious i looked it up bernie sanders said he will put a memorandum on um, I think I don't think I said that right on drilling if elected. OK, that's a ban right away. And that actually is, is a very crazy statement. And I mean that in its Webster statement like that would have such an impact on the economy that that's that's not only yeah. crazy, it's irresponsible. It's just flat out irresponsible. So any media yeah. outlet that that allows that to be said, shame on you. You're, you're just what you're. If you're in the cool club, you can say whatever you want, and then that's news. So shame on you, media. Shame on you, Bernie Sanders. I want to put up there what Vermin Supreme's platform was, which is he wants to make it a law that you have to brush your teeth every day, and he wants to make sure everybody can have a pony. And I actually believe that Vermin Supreme, or whatever his name is, has a more realistic platform than Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. I think I could get every kid a pony in America and get them to brush their teeth before they could ban drilling. You can't even make this up. You can't even make this up. Anyway, so what's going on in Canada with your crazy laws? Well, they're they're right up there with yours. They're just like they're falling all over themselves to declare the, the latest thing is to declare climate emergencies. And nobody knows what that means, but these governments are passing laws to to start calling it a climate emergency. And there's the people that are um, it's the same disease you have. We're we're more advanced because um, you can't build anything in this country anymore. It's all ground to a halt. Like because somebody will protest, and then you got to respect their rights, and you can't do anything so so well, we're kind of a little bit more advanced and and, and the, the pressure to stop drilling and that sort of thing there's the hot spots like alberta just like texas where it's going to be very very hard to get 
people to on site to stop drilling or something like that because just because we understand the business and how much it's required but that's uh, the same the same madness one thing that's interesting though because we're a little bit ahead of the curve so you've got all these wing nuts like sanders and whoever else coming up warren <laughs> saying that they're going to ban drilling and stuff uh once once they actually get handed the keys if, if they do um like that happened here in our province in alberta we had a uh, um, soft socialist got elected in 2015 Rachel Notley was her name and uh, she got into power and b- before she got into power it was a big protest vote because the existing uh, conservative government had kind of gotten long in the tooth and anyways um, she was against pipelines against fossil fuel development and all that because uh, that was just the nature of her party just like the Democrats down there then when she got into power and all of a sudden, okay, now it's your responsibility to balance the budget, and it's your responsibility to manage the unemployment rate. Oh, and you want to build new hospitals? Well, where's that money going to come from? And you want roads paved, and you want new schools, and and then when faced with the cold, hard reality of actually running something, which none of these people ever do, but when they actually have to run something, then all of a sudden the light bulb went on and said, well, you know, maybe pipelines aren't that bad. And so she started advocating for pipelines, which just kind of caught everybody by surprise, sort of, that she just did an about-face like that. But, um, so we've seen that phenomenon happen here. And same as Ontario, they had a, well, they kicked their government out, but they had this super green leader in that province and was running the province right into the ground. Ontario is a province in Canada, so it's the biggest economically, but it has $180 billion in debt. And if you can imagine that for one province in Canada, just it's mind-boggling. Anyways, a large part of that was because of their green initiatives. And eventually the population just said, well, enough of this nonsense. And they kicked them to the curb and they brought in somebody who canceled a bunch of subsidies and that sort of thing. So so there is a bit of hope. Now, maybe you have to get these people, maybe these people get in power and then maybe they do a lot more damage. But at some point, reality sets in and they, they realize like, OK, OK, well, that was a fun theory, but uh, reality doesn't work that way. It's like uh, getting rid of global poverty. If you could do that by waving a wand, it would have been done a long time ago, right? Or passing some legislation. The world just doesn't work that way. you got to build things. So um, I wanna... these people, Sanders and Warren, they, they don't build things. They don't understand that. They just sit there and they screech. I want to I wanna... actually have to be responsible. Yeah, I wanted to touch back on the leadership part for just a second. Uh, um, but first I wanted to ask you, did you say climate emergencies? Oh yeah, is that, that's, way, you'll hear about that's it. the new term. The new term, yeah. That's boy, that's going to catch yeah. people. That's oh, see, this is this is why I think the oil and gas industry needs to do some PR and some marketing because I'll never forget this one guy about five, six, maybe seven years ago. He was at the Rocky Mountain Energy Infrastructure deal. It's a big energy and economic summit they have out there. Federal Reserve guys go out there, that sort of thing. Um, it's like a rare albino white elk sighting out there you know it's just you you, people that you never see and um he said he goes you know it's almost like we we gave the best ad agency in the world the most money and said hey can you come up with the worst name possible for what we're doing and they came back with fracking you know and the guy and his point was is that you know as an industry we don't do well with pr and that was that was his point no um I, I nothing on the whole case file. I think they. I, I really think the oil and gas industry needs to step up right now. And the reason Absolutely. I do is yeah. because of you know the the whole Colorado and Oregon and Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth that narrative. But climate emergency. That's that's a good word. That's a no. good name. And and oh, it's coming. oh you're gonna catch yeah. people's heartstrings and yada yada type thing. And <laughs> um, the one well, thing I, I do. I read some of the. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I was going to say the one thing I do want to say, and this goes back to the leadership part, is um, I also think that they need to start throwing money and start giving money to some different people. And when I look at what has happened in the oil and gas industry over the last 10 years, um, they've had an incredible momentum from hydro, hydraulic fracturing and, and horizontal drilling. The part that they failed is PR. And so the people that they've given the monies to are the same people over the last 10 years. And those people have had to do multiple rebranding campaigns for the industry because, well, North Dakota, they had to after the DAPL pipeline. I mean, that was, I 
I still get people yeah. telling me that that was as big as a uh, black eye as the BP spill because you've got um, North Dakota officials shooting disabled veterans with rubber bullets and spraying them with um, water and sub-zero yeah. temperature. You ain't, you ain't going to win any PR battle that way. Oh, yeah. And unfortunately oh, yeah. for the yeah. oil industry, they were the ones that caught the brunt of that. Not the officials in North Dakota, but the en energy industry caught the brunt of that. So my point is, is that the same ways with the same people don't seem to be working. You got states banning drilling. You got presidential right. candidates talking about getting rid of the industry. So I don't understand why they continue to try the same strategy that they've been trying for the last 10 years. I think it's time to try something new. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and part, of, part of it is just like, like there's, I think you're right, and I wrote about this in my book, is that for, for decades, I think the energy business around the world has been used to just dealing with governments. If you need something done, you go to the government, and, they, they, and governments were the ones that wanted the resources developed, so they would, they would work with the energy business to come in and develop something, or a county, or a state, or whatever, because it's good for business. Now, all of a sudden, they, those same entities have turned on business, and, and so, so I think the energy business has been caught flat-footed by that. Like you said, they're not used to talking to the public, and they just there's this kind of this um, blank stare you get when you ask an, a petroleum person, like, can the world live without fossil fuels? And they go, well, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. But if you ask the guy in the street that, and they'll go, well, yeah, of course we can, because we've learned that from the news. Um, and there's simple websites like... Um, a friend of mine circulates this thing of 150 uses uh, or ways you use petroleum every day that you weren't aware of, and things like lipstick that's made from petroleum, and anything that's made out of plastic, and 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 uh, tires. All of these, this whole list of, uh, if you look around your kitchen, there's probably 50 things that are made directly from petroleum or petroleum products, and and people just don't realize that, and and I, so we got to get that narrative out there to people that you, you, you realize what you mean when you're saying you don't want any more fossils. You, you realize that means no more heat for your building. You, you understand that. Um, but but the, the industry has just been so bad, like you say, it actually just getting out to people and saying, do you know what this means, what these people are talking about? Never mind, there's the other side of it too. Do you know what it means from a climate perspective? If you, if you stop all natural gas production in the United States, it doesn't change the climate one little bit as long as the big emitters of the world keep going the way they're going. So, so I think they just have to, it's, it's kind of like learning from scratch, but they, they have to do it or they're doomed. They're just going to face this legislation everywhere. Like you say, so. Yeah, I've been following the disruptors a little bit lately and it's interesting, you know, cause I got hit hard with the internet. I mean, the internet was a major disruptor in my life because it put my first company out of business. I mean, I invested over, you know, a quarter million dollars in the internet, and I don't think I got eight bucks back. You know, I mean, you couldn't. Oh, wow. Oh, no, you couldn't give away. Remember that? Ten years ago, everybody was giving away information for free on the internet. I mean, you still got Chicago yeah, Times right, right, and yeah. Los Angeles Times. I mean, ba newspapers that had monopolies for 100 years are going bankrupt in 10 years after the newspaper. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, after the internet came yeah. out. How's a little third world of media like me going to make it, you know? And so, yeah. but that's okay because I came back and I, I learned from my mistakes. Like, yep. You know, thank thank goodness from my perspective for the energy industry to teach me that essence of capitalism and to pull the bootstraps up and do that type. I just love I just love the uh, energy of all of all that that it gives. But um, the political side of things, I think, could be the major disruptor in the U.S. Uh, when you've got states banning it and this after talking to Dr. Lawrence C. Scott, I forgot about how bad germany was <laughs> i mean i know they're trying to spin it as they've made these great these great advancements but i forgot you know they pay 17 18 bucks for some natural gas and you know we can't even oh, yeah. give it away out down they, here they, oh, yeah. yeah so and, I, and, and germany is the one of the biggest economic powerhouses in the world right to be able to afford that there are almost no countries that could afford to do what they did and it hasn't even worked they haven't even their emissions have flatlined since 2009. So 10 years, hundred, probably three, $400 billion they've spent, and they've made not one dent in their emissions. Well, and like you mentioned, they so, got to start firing up those coal plants again to keep up. Yep, 
yeah. because they got power, so. yeah they got rid of nuclear and everything. And so anyway, my my point yeah. is is that I forget that there is a political shift and that's happening, and a lot of times those leaders really don't care about the cost because it doesn't affect them. No, they're, not they're, at all. They're not part of the little people out there that are making you know their lives work. So I get that. Yeah, and they they throw around that uh, T word an awful lot. I saw Sanders' plan, or was it Biden's plan, uh, five trillion dollar uh, renewable plan. Somebody else had a two trillion. I think Warren had a two trillion dollar renewable plan. Like, where does this money come from? Is it? Uh, and and they they let their spin doctors say, well, we're going to create a bunch of solar jobs. But uh, you you realize all you people that believe that 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 those solar jobs are going to be kids squeegeeing those solar panels to keep them clean and that's going to be the bulk of it if you want that as a career for your kid then sign up but um yeah yeah i was in fact i was just trying to think of a um a roomba squeegeer that somebody's going to have to invent because <laughs> no i was thinking about that the other day going they're gonna to have to figure out a way oh, to make true. these uh, solar panels clean because if you don't clean them every week or once a day or whatever the thing is they're not efficient yeah they lose no, they lose forty uh, percent of their efficiency or something, and, and everything gets dust. You, that's just the way the world works. So, so let, let me ask you this: it, so. you, You've been fought by the way, Terry Eden with us, uh, author of uh, "End of Fossil Fuel Insanity," writer for the BOE Report. Your book's available at uh, Amazon and uh, your website, correct? Yep. Okay. Yep. Amazon's easiest, uh, but yep. So I, I've been a kind of a proponent of that. Maybe it's time that we take a step back, and you know, I, I'm. I don't believe that we need to get rid of wind. I don't believe we need to get rid of solar. Nope. I don't believe that we need nope. to get they rid of any place. of those. I think they all have their place exactly. on God's green earth, okay? Yeah. Now, <laughs> I do think that it would be nice to know which things we could benefit the most from solar. And to me, all I've seen is charging my cell phone. That's about, you know, <laughs> honest to God, um, the light ch chargeable yeah. things is all I've seen solar used for in a very practical economic way honestly have you seen it yeah. beyond well, that yeah, yeah, I, I agree that um, the, the only reason they exist so in such uh, strength is because of the subsidies but I, I put a chapter in the book about this that if you in my mind if you if we want to have a, a proper phase out to renewables you have to do it in stages and for, first would be to move towards natural gas and then I think I like hydrogen as an alternative because hydrogen is a battery yeah. We should have be chasing hydrogen cars instead of battery cars because natural gas can make hydrogen, so that's a transition fuel. Then you can also use solar power to make hydrogen as well because that can be store solar energy. And and so I think the economy has to move in stages. Like you say, there's a place for all of these things, and at some point we'll get to a place where they predominate, but that's so far down the road. But in the meantime, we have to do this in rational steps. And, and I think the first step is accepting that something like natural gas is the the fuel of the future for a while anyways and then segue into those other um uh solar and wind where we can actually use them because right now you just have these lots of power during the day when you don't need it that much so uh the the political side i don't know what's going to happen it went uh, sorry to just jump topics here but no, that's good. Uh, from up here it looks like a, a problem in the u.s is that you have mr trump on one side and, and he's way over there on one side on the side <laughs> uh, a polarizing figure let's say and then now you have so now the people when the next election comes they're going to be forced to say okay do i vote for mr trump who's extreme in a lot of regards and um or do i go with the other guy who's extreme in the other regards and it's and i don't know where there's the the middle 70 percent of the people i don't i don't know what they're going to do when they get in the polling booth well, I, I've, I've said on this program before and elsewhere when it comes to, you know, my personal thoughts on politics, because really at the end of the day, po political thoughts are personal. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I firmly and I've covered politics for 25 years, so I, I feel like I can at least say something that, you know, is, is somewhat relevant. I haven't for the last three years, and I've done that on purpose because I still talk to politicians. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to prefer not to get into it too. But. Yeah, well, because, you know, everyone else is doing it. And so we wanted to go a different yeah. route, and, and we wanted to stick more with, uh, you know, the geologists and, the, you know, the, the CEOs and the writers and the, you know, correspondents, that sort of thing, the people that are involved in the industry day-to-day -day, as opposed to the people that get the briefings handed to them. 
Um, now we still talk to politics or uh, politicians because they do have a full-time job. So we'll talk to them about that and et cetera. But, um, excuse me there, as I just kind of, I guess, totally, where, where was it? Where were we going with this? Uh, Bernie Sanders, Trump. Okay. So I believe Donald well, Trump is going to win. Uh, Donald Trump will win the next election hands down, no matter who runs against him yeah. on, on the left side, any, any Democrat that runs against him, whether it's Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, or Elizabeth Warren, Trump will beat him because, He's not a politician, and they are. Yeah, he's not owned by anyone. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and I, I think that the, they some are. of these these hardline stances, like of Sanders and Warrens, like you say, they're, 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 we're going to shut down drilling all over the place. Okay, so you're 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 selling that message to a small segment of the population, but you're going to piss off. How many states are going to be pretty upset by that? It's going to be a lot. So it, that's why it's it, the, the middle ground is where people need to be focusing rather than pushing things to extremes because that's just not going to work. It's just going to uh, it's going to blow up in their own faces for one thing. It's like people the the global charge to reduce emissions. You you can't strangle supply. You, like people just want their comfort. They want a bigger, faster car. They want air conditioning. They want a bigger house. They want vacations. They want all this stuff, and you, and you can't do it by strangling their fuel supply. Like, you, you have to find ways to, to, to either make that a lot more environmentally efficient or, or uh, make it impossible for them, I suppose. Maybe that's what some people would do. But the, the incentives, the way that they're lined up now, they're not achieving any of the desired objectives, and it's just a big waste. Yeah, I think the other part of it, too, is when it comes to – elections and dr scott he mentioned this too most people it depends on how the economy is doing and so when you look at probably you know a year from now a year and a half from now was it a year and three months when the election is um i don't i mean it'd probably take a lot for the economy to go south that quick um, uh, yeah, it could so, yeah. it could but i doubt that it'll go south enough to where it would hurt trump of course my crazy mind and i still believe this the only person that can beat Donald Trump in the next election is The Rock Dwayne Johnson. That's it. Everyone else ain't got a shot. I mean, The Rock has enough followers on Instagram to be able to announce it and form a third party. He has more followers on Instagram than the United States has population of people. So I'm not kidding you. I mean, and he's, he's not a politician. He's the man. And um, I used to think Stephen Colbert and, and John Stewart could have a shot, but they're kind of they're kind of already a liberal, you know. They're kind of blanketed as a yeah. liberal. Whereas The Rock, he could come, yeah, yeah. he he could come out with the People's yeah. Party and be a cool, hip yeah. third party. He wouldn't have to be a Democrat yeah. or a Republican. The Democrats love yeah, him. He's not uh, controlled by anybody. No, yeah. and he's a he's a yeah. savvy, smart awesome. businessman. In fact, he does business with his ex-wife. Like they they became business oh, partners wow. after their divorce. And so, wow. oh yeah, I mean, no, he's a very good man. Like he's an honest. Um, uh, hardworking man. Oh yeah, no, he's there's a re, there's a lot of really good qualities that he could be a president of, and so it, it, it you know it's it's one of those. Go ahead. No, I say is there rumors that he's throwing his hat in the ring? Maybe or no. This is just me. This is this is just me. Um, the Republicans tried to court him back in two thousand and eight or four. I can't remember, but oh okay, they tried to, and you know he he just kind of said very nicely no thank you that sort of thing but he's just been the way he's been acting over the last year it almost seems like he would do it you know and oh, wow. yeah he's so cool. he's really become the top of his game in almost every industry you know he's a motivational speaker mm-hmm. he's an actor he's a performer he's a businessman he um what else does he, he showed up in Stillwater, Minnesota to take a girl to prom that got stood up. And so he does like some very nice oh, wow. public relation things. Oh yeah. And he, you know, he's just kind of one yeah. of the people and yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's just something I, very relatable guy. every, every now and then you'll, you'll read the tea leaves that are crazy and think, you know what, I'm just going to say it in case it comes true. <laughs> and that's kind of what I've been doing where I just, yeah, he could do yeah. it. Why not? Well, look at the, look at the earth's champ. How close you are. You know, the Earth's champ is really coming coming along fine here. Um, we're going to be... John- I thought you were the man. No, 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 no. I uh, I just, I sponsored the belt. So I, I my, my guy won, Johnny Johnny Green. He took the title uh, yeah, down, yeah. 
down in uh, Rio de Janeiro, I think it was, Brazil. And he'll be back. Yeah, the belt's going to be coming back soon. So the belt's coming back to North America. In fact, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. So Johnny Green was a part of that big global tournament where they unified all the belts, the Eurasian belt, the African belt, the uh, Australian championship belt, the North American, the South American. It was a 16-person tournament. And uh, Johnny Green uh-huh. came out as the Earth champion. And um, there was there's a uh, gentleman in Wyoming that called me after the press release came out. And um, he would like, at the Energy Expo next year in Gillette, Wyoming, we're going to, uh, in fact, this is probably, we're announcing it too soon because the event's not until the 25th, but he'll be okay. We're going to announce the criteria in a few weeks for the uh, North American champion. So well, next year, we will crown the new North American champion. Johnny Green will, cha- you know, because this title's vacant now. He's now the Earth champion. There's, there's nobody that has the North American champion. So you might have to send some Canadians down here to Gillette next year to try to get the title. And uh, take that back. And anyway, it's going to be a, a nice belt buckle. They're going to get belt buckles to, uh, to to showcase that they are an Earth, or, or, you know, a regional champ. I mean, hey, there's only one Earth champion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so- yeah, yeah, that's right. But still, nothing to sneeze at. That's North, right. Yeah, champ. That's, and uh, he's going to start a tour called Clean Your Mind Tour. And he's going to go around and, and help people clean their mind. Because before you can become an environmentalist, you got to have a clean mind. Because there's, there's a lot of people out there just trying to fill your mind full of dirty things like plastic bags. Remember the whole paper plastic thing? Remember how they tried to... Remember they gaslit us and double spoke us in this Orwellian way that paper bags were more environmentally friendly than plastic? Huh. Boy, that turned out to be a farce. So just yeah. simple, just simple things like that to help clean your mind a little bit, so that when you, yep. you know, take a look at you know how your ga- how, how your car moves, you might have a little more appreciation. Yeah, just you know? make people think about these things. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's something as stupid as like you mentioned. You know, like do you really want people not to have heat? And you know, there are some things like you know when you get a needle, you probably want it in a plastic hermetically sealed device, so you know nobody, <laughs> nothing's been tampered with. Uh-huh. So. There is still yeah. a use for plastic, and you yeah, can't you yeah. can't make enough soybeans in the world to keep up with the amount of plastic we need. Nope. You know if we're nope. gonna go that route, but so yeah, I mean uh, Johnny Green, man, I'll make sure to uh, have him autograph something, send it up your way, you know, and uh, oh, I love that. Yeah, love that. <laughs> Johnny Green, who did he beat? Uh, Fana Zhangzhou, I think was was who he ended up beating in the finals. But I don't know that that event is so green we can't even go. They don't even allow cell phones there, you know. Um, cell phones are considered the number one polluter on the planet. So as a symbolic right, gesture, they do so. not allow it. What's that? Rightfully so. They they have started my book there. They dug it up or read an article seven out of. The periodic table of elements has 118 elements on it. A cell phone has 78 of them. No kidding. So, yeah, and and they come from every corner of the world, and so every one of them has to be discovered, explored for, mined, processed, transported, uh, shipped to China, put together, and come back to you. So think of the footprint of 78 minerals, and they they come from everywhere. They're not coming from one, not coming from New Jersey. They come from everywhere you can think of. So, yeah. And that's so that's the thing the that, and that's the thing Johnny Green was trying to point out too is that today's environmentalist yeah. has really just become a texting, trolling, Keurig drinking, iPhone using yeah. environmentalist. Honestly, yeah. they they believe that by texting and trolling, they're doing their part to save the earth, and actually, they're causing more harm than they could ever think of. Because just not as not as anybody else. Not yeah. only does yeah. the production like you're saying do a lot of harm but the data centers are the reason the the cell phones are going to be the number one or are the number one polluter in the planet because these data centers oh yeah i mean so yeah yeah, it's it's as johnny green said are you guys ready for the paradigm shift (laughs) because he's going to take back the environmental movement he's he's tired of it he's tired of good good yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna Excellent. be fun. So I just noticed that boy, yeah. we're we're well past our our time here. But boy, I tell you what, when you're well, trying to save the planet, 
Hmm? Yeah. As I say, you when you're trying... down to whatever you need to, I'm sure. Yeah, when you're trying to save the planet, time flies, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, get... get to come up with, so. Give yourself I'll a plug you know. once again where people can get your books and read your BOE report. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so I write for the BOE report and a website called Public Energy Number One. And uh, my book, uh, The End of Fossil Fuel Insanity, is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, even too, if people still go there. Bless their hearts. 